2: I'm not sure how we're going to get to every game. We have a lot still on our plates, but we're going to jam it all in. And this hour is dedicated to fantastic finishes, of which we had half dozen, maybe. A couple that go into overtime. That includes the Seahawks in Detroit and the Chargers in Tennessee. Man, the Titans were seeking their first win since last November. Before Thanksgiving of last year was the last time the Tennessee Titans won. You remember they Coughed up the lead in the AFC South, and the Jaguars were able to overtake them and win the division late last year. Elsewhere, looking at comebacks for the Atlanta Falcons, and what a huge game for Bijan Robinson, the rookie running back. Dynamic he is already. Have not talked yet about the Super Bowl champion Chiefs who needed a rally on the road in Jacksonville, and we also need to get to this NFC beast. I'm telling you, the division may be even better than it was last year. The Cowboys had no trouble with the Jets. They initially looked like it might be competitive. One real explosive play for Zach Wilson to Garrett Wilson. But once they got settled in, really, the the Cowboys defense, Micah Parsons, we'll hear from him a little bit later on. He's awesome. And... I kind of feel like he's out there freewheeling it half the time. He can line up anywhere he wants. He reminds me of a Vaughn Miller who used to, especially when he was with Denver. I know he also won a, a Super Bowl ring with the Rams and and has been injured with the Bills, though he certainly makes an impact when he's on the field. But with the Broncos, he would move around. He would flash here, flash there. he kind of duck in on, in different parts of the line and different seams of the defense. I swear at times he was out there just kind of making it up as he went along. Was good. And he's allowed to do that because of his talent. That's what it feels like with Micah Parsons. Now, is he out there doing whatever he wants? Probably not. Uh, but the fact that he has the ability to slot here or step there or line up here or back up, you know, drop back there, it's a lot of fun to watch. He gets off the the block, so the block, haha. He gets out and through the line so quickly too. It's incredible. So the Cowboys are two and zero without a whole lot of trouble. But for the Giants and the Commanders, it's a little more dicey. But two and zero is two and zero, and you are what your record says you are. So right now, all three of those teams are tied in the same spot. You know, I prefer eight and zero. We'll see. Let's not jump the gun. What's your your ch- What's your cherry on top of the Sunday? You just want to overreact right now uh, because it either looks really good or looks really bad, and you can't be rational through two weeks of the NFL season. You can find us on Twitter, After Hours CBS, or on our Facebook page, After Hours with Amy Lawrence. I think through the first two weeks, we've seen the best of times and the worst of times for a lot of teams Not all of them. Some have been good both weeks. Some have been bad both weeks. But it's mostly a mixed bag for the rest of the NFL as it's a race to consistency in the first couple of weeks. The first month, really. So we want to talk about the NFC beast and carry this forward because you all know what happened with the Giants against those Cowboys. In the pouring down rain, a good portion of last Sunday night's game. This was at MetLife Stadium. The Giants gave up a special teams TD. Then there was a pick six off Daniel Jones. And before you knew it, they were getting blasted. They were skunk 40 to nothing on their own field. Well, the Cardinals had a chance to host the Giants. In week number two, it sure looked like they were going to pile on before you knew it. The Giants had given up 60 points to start the season.
3: Dobbs takes the snap. Give to Connor. Off the left side and into the end zone for the first offensive touchdown of 2023 for the Arizona Cardinals. Dobbs setting up. That takes off running left. He's got room at the 15 at the 10. Dobbs to the 5. Takes on a defender. Bounces off of him. And into the end zone for the touchdown. The defender. Xavier McKinney tried to take on Josh Dobbs at the one yard line, and Dobbs just trucked him. Short pass, right side. Hollywood caught it at the goal line, steps into the end zone for a touchdown. Great response by the Cardinals. Josh Dobbs leading the team down the field. The touchdown pass to Hollywood, and it's 26 to 7, Cardinals.
2: Oh, yeah. It was a disaster. It was 20 to nothing at the half, meaning the first six quarters of the season the Giants had not put a single point on the board. They had three punts. Daniel Jones had a pick six that was returned, 35 yards for a touchdown by Jalen Thompson. And even into the second half, it continued that way. Josh Dobbs looked like a world beater against the Giants' defense. Due to halftime, he was 12 of 16 for nearly 150 passing yards. By the way, he is, in fact, a rocket scientist. I do love that we got the highlights of him and his internship at the Kennedy Space Center. Four straight scoring drives that were engineered by this rocket scientist. James Conner had a rushing touchdown. Dobbs, you hear, with a 23-yards camper. The Giants didn't even have 100 yards at halftime. Dobbs himself... Had way more than that. Dave Pash on the Cardinals radio network. But somehow, some way, because this is football, and what do I tell you? We don't know what's going to happen from half to half in the NFL, especially early in the season. It was clear it was a different gear for the Giants. Opening minutes of the
4: third, Giants down 20. Jones. Going to fake the handoff to Barkley. He's going to run left. Jones to the 10, to the 5. Touchdown, Daniel Jones. Their first points of the season on a Jones 14-yard touchdown run. Ball signals. Handoff right for Barkley. Picks his way in for the touchdown. Saquon Barkley from a yard out. He had 10 rushing touchdowns last year. Gets his first this year. Third and goal at the 9. Slayton, along with... Two other receivers out left. Waller's in a slot right. Jones in a shotgun set. Jones back to throw under pressure. Throws it right to Barkley. Makes the catch. drives for the pylon. And he's in for the touchdown.
2: That's more like it for the New York Giants. Five consecutive scoring drives. Four touchdowns in a row. You got a pair of Saquon Barkley touchdown runs. Though he did injure his ankle late. And I know there's at least a little bit of concern. The report's coming out of the desert. will wait to find out on Monday. After a three and out, you had a 64-yard drive to tally the tying score at 28. And did you notice how many Giants fans there were in the desert? It was pretty incredible, the noise for New York. As they got closer and closer. So, yeah, Isaiah Hodgins with the 11-yard touchdown catch that ties the game at 28. And the Giants' D, inspired by what they saw, certainly part of the comeback, limiting the Cardinals to really no effectiveness in the second half, forcing another three and out by the Cards. And at this point, it seemed like a foregone conclusion. Now, I should never say that about the NFL, right? But the Giants were in a groove, and they got into field goal range.
4: This will be a 34-yarder from the right hash. Gill in the hold. Kreider the long snapper to give the Giants the lead. Tied at 28. Gano is set. Snap is good. Kick on its way. Plenty of length, and it is good. Graham Gano hits from 34 yards out, and with 19 seconds to go in the game, the Giants lead it 31-28. I think we just executed uh executed better you know we had some opportunities in the first half to make some big plays and we didn't convert and and uh you know I didn't take advantage of some of those opportunities and, and give guys a chance to make plays so uh we came out in the second half and 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 found a way to do that and executed better and built off of that in National Football League, like, you don't know when that spark may come. Of course, you want it to be earlier, but that was the opportunity for
3: us in this game, and we, and we took advantage of it, and that allowed us to, you know, build some momentum and sustain and drive. Because so we're like, okay, like this is what we're used to. This is what we've been doing since April throughout this whole process. Like we know what we can do as an offense, and yeah, that definitely gets you going.
2: Darren Waller says, "Yeah, you'd like it to be earlier." <laughs> Better late than never, I guess, after going down 60 to nothing to start the season through six quarters. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. As for the Giants and their history, they have not had a comeback this large, this dramatic since 1949. That was the last time they rallied from 21 points down. The only challenge is that Saquon Barkley was lost to an ankle injury and he was swollen, he was limping after the game. The reports were that the x-rays on his ankle were negative, but he was clearly in pain. Again, another source saying an ordinary sprain, not a high ankle sprain. But as you can imagine, he was the only one who was feeling any pain After this comeback by the Giants. Oh, well, in the visitors' locker room. Obviously, not in the Cardinals' locker room where they watch this lead evaporate.
4: We got to coach better. You know, we got outplayed in the second half, tail of two halves. We got to do a better job, help our guys out because the effort's there, the intensity's there. We got to coach a little bit better.
2: Uh, Think about the Cardinals' first two weeks. They had the lead in the nation's capital in their opener, and lost to Washington. And now they lose to the Giants. So back-to-back rallies by NFC East teams. By the way, the Giants, they have a Thursday night game against the Niners. So it does not get any easier. Dallas, Arizona, maybe a a brief blip, but they fell into a three-touchdown hole. And now coming up on a short work week, they've got the Niners. So that maybe makes it a little more challenging for Saquon Barkley to be ready if, in fact, he does have an ankle sprain. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. I do like Josh Dobbs a lot. He's clearly smart. We know that. And he can throw the football. I mean, nobody is in the NFL if they can't throw the football. But I was actually really impressed with what we saw from him early in this game. And he's so optimistic, too.
5: We came out, we capitalized on, you know, the defense playing extremely well, um, starting off fast. We were able to move the ball, execute, play at a high level um, in the first, second, third quarter. And so now as an offense, um, as we all saw, you know, it's finishing. We got to finish. You know, we have the ball in our, ball in our hands with a tight game. And uh, we got give ourselves a chance to finish by executing, playing the same way that we played throughout the game.
2: So the Giants salvage a win here, and they're at one and one. They are the only team in the NFC East that's not perfect. Because the Commanders, well, they had a second consecutive comeback. And this one, at the expense of the Denver Broncos in the Mile High City. So just to to remind you, last week, the Broncos were home against the Raiders and lost by a point. So now in this game... They race out to a 21-3 lead, but there is a pretty distinct turning point in the second quarter of this game. There's a sack and a fumble by Russell Wilson, and from that point on, it seemed like there was an extra spark. There was an extra motivation. For the commanders, for Sam Howell, yeah. (laughs) That was all the wake-up call they needed. Washington feeling like they need a score here. Fourth and goal at the Denver four-yard line. Crowd is loud here in
0: Denver. Snap the how. They bring four. Steps up over the middle to Logan Thomas. Hitting the end zone. Caught it. Touchdown. Touchdown, Washington! Hal steps up, taking a shot towards the end zone to Terry McLaurin. Did he pull it in? Yes! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! The first of the season for the captain! Here's the snap to Hal Inside
4: handoff Robinson,
0: right up the gut, across the goal line! Touchdown! <laughs> Touchdown, Washington! to the back, gets a handoff, turns at the 10, now cuts left at the 5, he breaks a tackle, into the end zone! Touchdown! Touchdown, Washington! The
2: second of the game for B-Rob! Oh, yeah. There's a lot to like about what the Washington commanders were doing offensively. Those are the calls there on the radio network. Terry McLaurin, scary Terry with a 30 yard grab from Howell. Washington then has back to back drives with Brian Robinson touchdown runs. And at this point, they're up double figures. They go three for three in the red zone. They're able to possess the ball for longer in Denver. Seven sacks of Russell Wilson. Although, did you see the number of times that Chase Young got penalized in this game? Gosh, it seemed like three or four big flags on Chase Young. But get this. The the defensive numbers and the way they were getting to Russell Wilson, he actually had a, a really good game. He had three touchdowns. He did have a pick in there. He also led the team in rushing, which is something we haven't seen from Russ in quite a while. But the Commandos sacked him seven times and then hit him another 14 times. He was never by himself in the pocket, ever. Clean pocket was not part of the Broncos' vocabulary on Sunday. So, yeah, what a comeback. And now the commanders it was a little more difficult than what they wanted, maybe. They're 2-0. and oh.
5: We saw that today, the ability to run the ball, the ability to throw the ball use the screen game, you know. Use run the ball inside, run the ball outside. We did some things that were really good for us, and, and we can grow from these things.
4: This is a resilient team, um, and the thing I'm proud of is we had each other's back on both sides of the ball. Um, that's what good teams have to do to find a way to win. We knew there was a lot of football left. Um, obviously, we would have liked to come out and start a little better, um, but at the end of the day, we made the plays when we needed to make them, um, and that's what matters.
2: Yeah, really impressive. I don't recommend that you fall into a three-score hole, but it seems like it's no big thing, at least week two Sunday in the NFL. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, if you look at the way that the commanders are running the ball, so over 100 yards, again, in this one, Brian Robinson. Remember we spoke to Antonio Gibson in preseason or right after preseason was done if those two guys can be a one-two punch, though Gibson's not been used nearly as much as Robinson, at least in these first two games. Robinson's big and physical, and he can hurt you out of the backfield in a couple of different ways. It's a big deal for them to be able to rally from 21-3 down, but also to use the run, to control the ball by using the run game.
4: It's been a work in progress, but uh, I feel like we've been taking all the appropriate steps needed to, you know, just you know, build on to our run game. And, uh, you know, we put it on display today, and uh, I expect to just continue to build on with um, with that.
2: As for the Broncos, they fall to 0-2, similar to the Patriots, both of the losses coming in their own stadium, which makes it that much tougher, right? Russell Wilson had a, a QB rating that was over one, 107 so he played really well in stretches the fans were fired up but ultimately it still goes down as a loss
0: i thought we did a great job you know in the first half in particular um second half they got to us a little bit they made some good plays they got a great defensive line we have a great offensive line they, they battled all day when you get into a game like that you know they're gonna make some plays um we're gonna battle and try to you know especially at the end of the game where you. You got to try to get the ball in the end zone, take shots. You kind of kind of fight for plays and stuff like that. They made a few, um, they made a few good plays. And that's, that's the reality of the game. We let them back in, and this, this game, this league, it's, you know, the leads can evaporate quickly. And this one did.
2: I actually heard the announcers and I don't know who they were. I wasn't paying that close attention because this game was not one that I had on my package initially but they went to it after, I don't know, what game was I watching? Whatever game I was watching. Maybe it was after the Jets and Cowboys were done and they flipped over to the end of this game. Uh, there actually was a Hail Mary by the Broncos late uh, that made it seem more respectable, but they were trailing by 11 points in the fourth quarter after being up 21-3. Think about that. They go from up 18 to down 11. That's a 29-point swing. Something has to go horribly wrong. Definitely misery loves company, right? So the Cardinals, they can certainly empathize with the Broncos. Oh, and the Chargers can too. We'll get to that. But I heard the announcers say something along the lines of, this is the first real test of the relationship between Russ and Sean Payton. I don't know if that's true or not, but I know when a team is losing, especially in the manner in which the Broncos have these first two games, that it exacerbates any type of friction or tension in the locker room. Jay looked it up real quickly with Spiro Adidas. Thank you for that. So it was he, maybe, who brought it up. Again, I don't know if that's true, if it's accurate. Maybe it's a nice idea. I just know that when you're losing, very quickly it exposes. Any cracks in the dam, if you will. And maybe week two is too early for that. You can't give up now. There's a long way to go. But gosh, for Sean Payton, for Russell Wilson, for the Broncos, to lose your first two games in come from behind fashion on your own field, not optimal. Although, as I say, Misery loves company, and the Chargers are in a similar boat. So (laughs) we'll talk about their game that goes into overtime in Nashville. The Titans desperate for a win.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today
2: it's after hours with amy lawrence on cbs sports radio
0: you are listening to the after hours podcast
3: fourth and four herbert looking left under duress knocked backwards keeps his feet flag comes out throws to the end zone caught touchdown flag in the end zone there are flags all over the fields. They are running with tempo. Chargers trying to get off the field. And there's the handoff to Henry again, and he is in. Touchdown, Titans. Play fake, option, right side. Tannehill keeps five, Inside. Yeah, OK. Titans. Ryan Tannehill
5: with the old Southwest Conference play. you <laughs> it around right in. He had a pitch man. He chose not to pitch. And he
3: does it himself. It's time to pull on the pads and hit somebody on After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio.
2: Chargers had an 11-0 lead in Nashville. Titans were looking at an 0-2 hole, but there was a turning point in this one as well. I told you the turning point earlier for Commanders-Broncos. Well, there was a moment in which Nashville the fans in Nashville and the Titans themselves, they woke up. It's after hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. It happened to be a 70 yard connection between Ryan Tannehill and Traylon Burks. 70 yards. It was like the heavens opened up. It led to the Derrick Henry touchdown and then a field goal before half. And all of a sudden we're looking at a very tight game. And it continues. Into the third quarter, the Titans actually took the lead with a 75-yard drive. And if you're watching, you may have noticed, or you may have noted, that twice, twice, the Titans looked to be done. Stopped on third down, and there were penalties picked up by the Chargers on third down that allowed the drive to continue. That's The opposite of discipline, and maybe it happens early in the season, but that's a problem. You twice believe you've stopped your opponent in its own stadium, only to have, I think one was a roughing the passer and one was unnecessary roughness, called against the Chargers to give the Titans new life, ultimately leading to the Tannehill rushing touchdown and the lead. On Chargers Radio, Titans Radio with Mike Keith. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. A couple of lead changes even after that in the second half. Keenan Allen has his second touchdown catch. And then the Chargers build what they think is going to be a little bit of a lead. right? Enough at least that they're able to protect against a field goal. But that's not what the Titans had in mind. They were going for broke on their next possession, and they started in the hole, had a look at 82 yards downfield.
3: Third and goal at the four, 240 and counting. Tannehill puts Henry on his right hip, drifts into the shotgun. Akakwo now to the left with Hopkins and Moore. Three, two, three. Tannehill, play fake, throws, touchdown, Titans! Nick Westbrook-Akine,
5: RPO style for the lead.
2: (laughs) Once again, Mike Keith on Titans Radio, and yet it still wasn't done because the Chargers are able to get in position to tie the game with a Cameron Dicker field goal as the fourth quarter expires. A 33-yarder. I heard someone identify him as Dicker the kicker. (laughs) (laughs) No. <laughs> Okay, now I can't get that out of my head. (laughs) The Chargers had the ball to start overtime. They could have had Dicker the Kicker out there on the field. They could have. Instead, they go three and out in Tennessee to start overtime. That is a killer. So I I can't stand it when people say to me, oh, overtime's not fair in the NFL because whoever has the ball first scores. That's BS. Do you know how many times? It's actually 50% of the time that the team who gets the ball. Wins the coin flip and gets the ball first in OT, does not score. It happens at least half the time. So a three and out by the Chargers, that was their missed opportunity. And Tennessee was not taking any chances. Again, if you were watching this game, you saw them over and over repeatedly go to Derrick Henry. He's the bell cow. He's the most reliable. That was how they got into field goal range.
3: Morgan Cox to snap. Ryan Stonehouse to hold, and the kick. Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes! The the redemption of Ryan Tannehill on a Sunday that started sunny, ended with rain, (laughs) and saw the Titans beat an arch nemesis from over 60 years ago by hanging in offensively defensively and finding a way
0: I wanted to come back and, and play well today after uh, after last week so excited to uh to be able to do that get back on the field felt great be back out there and you know able to pull out, pull out the win at the end so made it a lot of fun
5: yeah very excited um finally get one in the in the we column uh guys played hard they fought hard and i think we earned that w today
2: Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, the two veteran leaders in this one. A big deal to have Derrick Henry that you can hand the ball to, but also get in the ball, even on a pass, a short pass out of the backfield. And it was so telling when the Titans were desperate to take care of the football and just work the field in overtime, they went to old reliable. And that is Derrick Henry. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Yeah, The Chargers, they actually... We're on the verge of getting this win, right? Maybe keeping themselves out of the basement in the AFC West. They were a playoff team last year. But this is why a lot of people don't trust the Chargers because you never know from quarter to quarter, even drive to drive what you're going to get.
5: I thought we had a lot of good stretches in the game. I thought you know the two big passes were a big story in the game. Uh, and then those two third-down penalties, I thought were a big story oh, see, in the game. I but that. I thought we did a good job on the back. Uh, I thought we pressured the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, our guys just um, have to respect the deep part of the field. Um, we're moving the hard downs around. Um, but, you know, our guys got to win in pass coverage, and they got to respect the deep part of the field, and they got to know who on the other team can get there.
4: They're a really good defense. They had a, a really good uh, front zone, seven. Um, and so it was up to us to, to have a good, um, you know,
3: plan, and, and we didn't execute. And so that's on us as an offense, and uh, we have to be better because of it.
2: I think that bothered me more than anything else was the one drive in which the Titans looked to be stopped twice and there were two penalties on third down. That's the worst. It's like kicking your team in the gut. So good for the Titans. Good! Hey! No, like as in seriously good for the Titans. <laughs> Mike Keith and company echoing that. Why? Because they had not won since mid-November. They had not won since Thanksgiving, of, before Thanksgiving of last year. Eight consecutive losses. They'd waited a long time for this one. And like the Giants, like the Commanders, it's dramatic fashion. Because it wouldn't be any fun if there was no drama. The NFL, the best reality show on TV. It's actually been strangely boring with the Buccaneers. (laughs) Really crazy. Baker Mayfield has never been in this position before in his career. We'll explain before the show is done. But we're asking you, where are you tempted to overreact? Even as we start out the season, we're only through two weeks. Where are you feeling irrational and illogical? I just saw a tweet in response from Bill The Cincinnati Bengals will miss the playoffs. I mean, they were 0-2 and then 2-3 last season before winning the division, the AFC North. We'll get to that game as well. So still a lot to cram in. But coming up, the Lions were trying to go 2-0. They find themselves in overtime. And the Atlanta Falcons, do they have something now with Desmond Ritter and that expensive defense? We'll talk about. Those two games coming up next.
3: You are listening to the After I-
5: Hours Podcast. Play fake by Gino. Gonna look to the end zone. Gonna lay it up over the top to Tyler. He's got it. Touchdown! Seahawks! We were hoping number 16 would have a day today, and he is an absolutely perfect pass. Just a little rainbow drop over the top to Tyler Lockett, and the Seahawks on top now, 23-21,
3: with 10 and a half to play. This is After Hours with Amy Lawrence.
2: Yet another game with a fantastic finish in the NFL in week two, and we still have a couple of games to go on what is now a Monday night doubleheader. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio, Steve Rabel on Seahawks Radio, and yeah, the Seattle Seahawks on the road in Detroit. Crazy atmosphere. The people who were there, whether you're watching TV or reading Online, following online, it was raucous there for the Lions and their fans trying to move to 2-0, and yet the Seahawks were game for a challenge. So Lockett's touchdown, brilliant pass from Geno Smith, by the way. It was a dart to Lockett, who was in stride moving toward the far corner. And Geno put it the only place that Lockett could get it and no one else so they regained the lead there and we had talked about this last week it'd been a long time since Jared Goff had made this mistake at the 35 Goff wants to throw steps up throws
5: behind it's intercepted see it the other way Trey Brown he's gonna go 10 Goff looks outside one too many times. Dave stared down his receiver, and Trey Brown was there for the pick six, and the Seahawks stretched their lead to 30 to 21. The Seahawks have been hanging into this one here in the second half. They have exploded.
2: It had been nearly a record number of snaps, offensive snaps without an interception for Jared Goff. He was closing in on Tom Brady's record. Don't quote me on the exact numbers, but instead he will remain second place on that chart. Uh, You hear the call again with Steve Rabel. So Goff has to recover and recover quickly. Detroit is now down double figures with just a handful of minutes left in regulation.
0: Out of the huddle and to the line with 3.15 to play. Goff's gonna go empty out of the gun. There's the snap. Goff back. Goff looks, looks, looks. Throws. Enzo caught touchdown. Detroit Lions. Josh Reynolds. Boy, did they need that Lions right back in this game with three zero eight to play. Trying to send the Lions to overtime here. Daly to snap. Fox to hold. From thirty eight yards out. Ronnie Patterson is ready. Hash mark right side. Snap. Spot, keep away. It is up and it is good. We are going to overtime 31 31 at Ford Field in downtown Detroit as Riley Patterson sends
2: it through. It's not an NFL Sunday into an NFL Monday without a Dan Miller call on Lions radio. So, yes, 10 points in the final three and a half minutes for the home team around a Seattle three and out. So, you get the offense, you get the defense, then you get the offense again. going into overtime, and yes, the Seahawks start with the ball on the road in OT. Nine plays, 75 yards, and six of them caught by different Geno targets, right? So Geno Smith spreading the ball around, keeping the Detroit Lions defense off balance. Geno
5: from the shotgun with Walker beside him. Three wide receivers in the game. Geno is looking looking now he throws far side it's Lockett. does he reach the ball across he knows. yeah it's over yes. baby touchdown seahawks tyler lockett on a little pass out into the right side flat reaches the ball across the pylon he scores they're going to check to be sure but all you got to do is get the ball across the top of the pylon and he touches it and that is good for a first down knee out of bounds Tyler Lockett, my hero! Game over! over. Seahawks win 37-31. to Wow, what a comeback! What a game by these Seahawks!
4: Tyler Lockett had a phenomenal day today, and uh, as always, we've been watching him. I I hope he can just keep playing forever because he continues to just make those spectacular plays, the catch on the the back corner of the end zone, and then to get the pylon for the win, a walk-off win, you know, uh, it's just Tyler, and he's... What a phenomenal competitor and player and, and leader that he is with us, and uh, I'm so fired up for him. It was tough knowing that we were going in overtime, but, you know, like Pete says, can't win in the first four quarters sometimes. You got to be <laughs> able to um, continue to follow through. So I think for us, we won the toss, which that's something that's always big, and we went out there, sometimes. and even though we didn't have a good drive the drive before, we let it go behind us, and we went out there. And we just played at a high level. We was moving the sticks, taking care of the ball, um, big-time first downs, whether it was DK, um, big-time catch by Noah to start the drive off, and we was able to capitalize and win.
2: So Tyler Lockett has the second touchdown for victory for that reason. uh, He might be part of our Monday MVP poll. It will be up soon on our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, and on our Facebook page. The Seahawks didn't look comfortable, cohesive offensively in the first game, but Gino rallies for 328 yards and those two touchdowns in this game, this overtime win on the road.
5: We talked about it before the game about knowing who we are and I believe we're a really good offense. We got so many dynamic players, like I always say, so many great guys on, on our offense, and, and we got a great play caller, and a coach who trusts us, you know, and, and Coach Carroll. So um, we just had to go out there and kind of, you know, put the past behind us. You know, last week is last week, has nothing to do with this week, and go out there and play ball. And, you know, it wasn't perfect today, but we found a way to win, and that's what matters. Look, I, I know it stings, and those guys are disappointed. I'm disappointed, the staff is, but my gosh, man, this is, uh, this is good. You know, we'll get a little humble pie here. And uh, we got a real good opponent coming in next week. And, uh, you know, they they run it as good, if not better, than those guys. And they have better weapons uh, so, just so, all so, around. So,
2: so no more hype train then? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> Dan Campbell, this one stings, but it's all right. It's good. And you know the team he's referring to, <clears throat> Segway, the Atlanta Falcons are the team that the Lions will face next week now that they are one and one. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence, CBS Sports Radio. Okay, so the Falcons were hosting the Green Bay Packers on Sunday, and yeah, Jordan Love shining brightly early on. Without Aaron Jones, without Christian Watson, he found other ways to move the ball. The Packers scored on four straight drives, and this was around halftime, right? So they began their march in the first half, able to extend that rhythm into the second half. Jaden Reed with a couple of touchdown catches. Dontavian Wicks. I mean, these may be Packers you've never heard of before. 32-yard touchdown grab for him. And they're up by 12 points early in the fourth quarter. But Atlanta is able to rally in front of the hometown fans.
3: The ball at the 6 of Green Bay. The Falcons trail by 12. Pitts to the left. Two receivers here to the right, including Johnu Smith. Robinson with Ritter in the backfield. Here's Desmond keeping it left side. He will turn the corner and dive for the touchdown. He faked it to Robinson, and everybody with a yellow hat followed Bajon.
2: Uh, that's West Durham on Falcons Radio. Oh yeah, uh, the fact is Robinson is a force to be reckoned with, and you saw that even late stages of the game. So Desmond Ritter with a six yard rushing TD. Mac Hollins uh, had a 45 yard catch just to set that touchdown up. But the number one option you can see it already is their rookie is their rookie running back who is a factor now even in his second game.
3: Fourth and one, Robinson will be with Ritter. Desmond to the line, going to pitch it to Bajan. He will cut it back. He's got the first down to the 16. My goodness. Boy, give Atlanta a ton of credit here to get out of the huddle, no movement, no penalties, and then get the ball to Bajan, and then he made a couple of individual runs plays here to make people miss. And the crowd is cooing. Which has become kind of the norm here in Atlanta. And this will be right at 26 yards. He's hit already today from 24, 33, and 39. That's going to put it right on the 15, so it'll be 25 yards. Pinion to hold, McCullough to snap on the left hash. Youngway for the lead. Snap, spot, kick is up, and it is perfect. And Atlanta's in front with 57 seconds left.
2: Bijan Robinson, 124 yards on 19 carries, but credit Desmond Ritter. With his leadership out there on the field, and yeah, feels kind of good to to have this victory and to rally against the Packers.
3: This is nothing but a team win. Um, no individual took part in this. You know, this was everybody that took part in, in what we just did today. Um, but I think it was a big win for us. You know, knowing that you know we worked hard and, and we were down in the game, we had to fight back. You know, try to get two scores, uh, but that's what we did. And the defense, you know, closed it out. Um, and you know, us on offense, you know, we try to you know close it out as well. So I think it was just. It's a full-team win.
2: 13 points for the Falcons in the fourth quarter, and they hold the Packers scoreless in that same stretch. They get the game-winning kick from Koo with just under a minute to go and win 25-24. That's a little uncomfortable, but you know what? It's good to be early and uncomfortable in the NFL season. It's after-hours CBS Sports Radio.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news,